I have, and I have always had, really, a love-hate relationship with the news. I love the news. I, from an early age, I have loved finding out what's going on out there, what's happening. And I think it probably all started in the third grade. In the third grade, when my teacher taught us about staying up with current events, okay, so it's her fault. You say, well, why do I, why, you know, people get addicted to the news and just scrolling through, you know, websites and, and, and news sites to find out what's going on? And it's, uh, we're taught, you know, we were taught in school to keep up with current events, right? Remember, you, I mean, I think they still, the teachers still have the kids do a current event to keep up with what's happening, right? And so since then, I've always read the paper. Um, and in recent years, just, you know, no one, anybody still here have a subscription to an actual physical paper? No, I mean, that's, yeah, no one. Uh, but anyways, I just thought I'd ask, watch the news, and I've even done some things from time to time, something that my wife has always thought of as being crazy. And that is watching C-SPAN. Amen? Anybody, anybody watch, ever click on C-SPAN? But lately I've grown weary of the news. One of the reasons why, I think, is because we live in a time with the internet and our devices and everything, that it's not just like the news in like a, like a just kind of a, like a steady stream. It's like a fire hose of like news and stuff. And, and, and so for that reason, it can just be kind of overwhelming. And um, we were talking about it even before the service. As, as you know, um, we were in California this past week and last weekend. And of course, the fires were all over the news. And so everybody was worried whether we were, you know, caught up in the midst of the fires. And, and no, we weren't. And, and uh, we were totally fine. And, um, and the, it's not that it's not a, a concern for where it is, but I think things can just be, there's, there's a lot of hyperbole that goes along with the, the telling of the news now. And of course, now we have fake news. And then there's the, just the terrible news. Because we are so connected today, we have a steady stream of all of the terrible things that are happening all over the world. I mean, think about going back like a couple hundred, like, like 50 years or maybe 100 years or 150 years, 200 years. It, it would take like days and weeks to like even get like the worst of the news and now we have it all in just split seconds, you know? And so we're just bombarded with all of this news and all these things that are happening. When I come home, and you're probably a lot like me, I wanna be uplifted. I want something that's gonna be something good, something good. And I think you do too. If you're like me, you, you want something good. You want some good news. So tonight is all about good news. Tonight is all about the good news. In fact, we'll be talking about the greatest news of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the 
good news. It's the glad tidings, the good news of Jesus Christ. How he loves you, how he died on the cross, Calvary in Jerusalem for you, how he was buried, resurrected, and he ascended on high and believing in him and putting your trust in him is the, the ticket, is the way to life. It is the way to life and life evermore. And not only that, but that we have a relationship with God. That we're not going through the good news of the gospel is that we have a relationship with our maker, with our God. That it, we don't just have a set of rules, a set of principles, a set of things that we do, but we have a relationship with God. So this news that we have, this gospel that has been put down in God's word, in the scriptures, it needs to be heard, it needs to be received, it needs to be understood, amen? The problem that we're looking at with Israel in this chapter, and if I could take you back into the context of Romans, we've been dealing with this, these couple of chapters here where Paul is basically telling us how Israel has rejected the gospel, how they rejected Christ, how they rejected the gospel. And you know what? You can actually take it one step further than that. You could take it, if you, if you just honestly, a cursory reading of the Old Testament is not only did they reject Jesus, they had already rejected God. They had literally become, I mean, remember Elijah was like telling the Lord, look, I've had it, I'm done, I'm out of here, just, 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 you know, check me out of here. And God rebuked him and said, no, 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 there's still, there's still some folks, there's still a remnant of people that have not bowed their knee to the Baals. And then God says how many it was? 7,000? What? It got bad, folks. It wasn't just, it didn't all of a sudden come along and go, oh, Israel just rejected Jesus. No, they had rejected God. And, 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 and God was still there, the loving God that he is, wanting them to, to come, wanting them to embrace, wanting them to hear, wanting them to understand. And this is what we're dealing with here in Romans. This is what Paul's dealing with in Romans. So we're going to look at the way that, that, that Israel heard the good news, what they did with it, and we're going we're gonna to take those points of what they did with it and kind of flip it and say what we need to do, really, what, what a person needs to do with the gospel, which is really the opposite of what Israel did with it. Amen? So let's look at this. I've got a couple points for you tonight. Let's dive in in verse 14. The first thing you need to do with the gospel is hear it. You need to hear it. Let's look at verse 14 of Romans 10. It says this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who, whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The gospel needs to be heard. The gospel needs to be heard. But you could say in a way that 
the good news of God was preached to Israel and they continually rejected it. I mean, Israel is specifically a place and Judaism was specifically a faith of a people that killed their prophets. And I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking like, who kills their prophets? You know, like, let's say you recognize this guy. Okay, he's a prophet. Let's kill him. (laughs) You know? I mean, you look at these other faiths and of course they're all wrong, right? They're not correct. But they don't even speak at the prophet by, without saying, blessed be the prophet, peace be upon him. You know? And this type of stuff. And you have the Jews who killed the prophets. Who killed the prophets. What a job that these guys had. Um... It was incredible. So Paul is, is basically laying out here how the good news is disseminated. In the last section, Paul had quoted from the prophet Joel saying, Whom, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember that? At the end of that, we were talking about, he was talking about how close salvation is, that it's not in going up to the heavens and achieving this or doing this, and it's not going down to the depths of the sea and raising something up out of the depths of the ocean, but it's literally right here. It's in your mouth. It's that close. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe the gospel, you'll be saved. And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But in order to call upon the name of the Lord, you have to believe in, him, believe in him. You have to believe that he's real. And in order to believe in him, you have to have heard about him, right? So how does this happen? It happens, God has used a particular medium of speaking, of preaching, of proclaiming the good news, proclaiming his word. And, you know, parents have a lot to do with this. Families have a lot to do with this. I was thinking about how kids, you know, kids grow up, and I, I, there's some kids, you know, bring them up, you know, and here's Santa Claus, it's Christmas, and here's Santa Claus, and this guy comes down the chimney, you know, and gives us presents, and and, uh, you know, for, for as long as you can, you kind of keep everybody in, in, in line, you know, with that, you know, especially around December. Like, you know, because this guy in this red suit, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a list. He's got a list. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, naughty and nice and all that stuff. And, and how, does this, how does someone come to believe in Santa Claus? How does a kid come to believe in Santa Claus? It's because their, their parents brought them up to believe in Santa Claus. Nobody ever... No, I... I never heard of Santa Claus from my parents, but I can't, you know, I went out there and there was somebody on the corner proclaiming Santa Claus and, and suddenly I believed, in, you know, there, there's this idea of the proclamation of Santa Claus and, and believing in Santa Claus. And it's the same way with the good news of Jesus. People need to hear about him. People need to, to hear about him. And, and, um, and, 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 and I look at, and hearing about him 
is I want to take it a step further because one of the reasons why the language that the Bible was written, and specifically the New Testament, is, which is so important, is because it's a very specific language. And um, one of the things that Paul says in Galatians, that, that, that God sent the Son into the world at the fullness of time. And one of the aspects of the fullness of that time was that you had a kingdom on the earth, the Roman Empire, that was the empire that arose after the Grecian Empire. And of course, the Grecian Empire was the empire that, that came about through the conquests of Alexander the Great. And through the conquests of Alexander the Great, the world kind of became Greek in that sense. And Greek was the language that was spoken throughout the Grecian Empire, and that overlapped and flowed into the Roman Empire. And so when you had Jesus coming and being born, he was born in this mega empire that had this language, that had this language that people spoke, that was this exacting language, that was this very specific language, so specific that it has like at least four different words for the word love, okay? So whereas we would have one word, there's four different words that could be utilized depending upon what aspect of love is being talked about. And specifically here, the word heard is when we think about that, we think about, well, I heard the gospel. I heard the guy up there talking, like you're hearing me right now. And you're hearing the, the words that are coming out of my mouth. But the word here in the Greek for heard, hearing the gospel, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, is, is more than that. It's, it's, it's a word that actually means to attend to, to consider what is or has been said, to understand, to perceive the sense of what is said. So it's, it's, it's actually hearing and attending to it. It's actually hearing and dealing with it. It's actually hearing and perceiving it and understanding it. And so the gospel needs to be heard. In that sense, it's more than just having heard the sound waves that someone who is talking is, 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 is saying. You know, you hear, you hear the sound, right? You hear the sound. It's hearing it, it's considering it, it's perceiving it. And so, but people will never, ever hear the gospel in that sense. They'll never be able to attend to it. They'll never be able to consider it unless someone goes to proclaim it. Someone goes to tell it. And that is why Jesus in the New Testament gives a specific, he gives a commission to his disciples we see it, well, there's two examples of it. You have the one in Mark, where in Mark 16, 15, I'll have it on the screen here. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. You have probably a translation that says to like every creature or something along those lines. In other words, to everyone. Um, and, and so there's this idea of going and proclaiming this good news. And, and, and because it's so important, you need to, you, you want people to hear it, you want people to understand it, you want people to consider it, to, to perceive it. And then there's the, uh, the one in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And in order to make disciples, you have to do some preaching, amen? You have to do some teaching, you have to do some preaching in that sense. And 
and that is of all nations, and the word there is eth, it's ethnos, it's where we get our word for ethnic, and so it's the idea of going into all the people groups, going into all the nations, all the groups of people, and proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. And so this is what has to happen. This is what needs to happen. And, and this did happen, but it did happen in the lives of Israel historically. So when we look at this passage of Scripture, I don't want anyone to come away with it. Well, you know, they had this short window of time, and Jesus was there, and he was only on the scene for three and a half years, and they missed him, and they rejected him, and that was it. But, you know, no, this, this had been happening and rehappening and reoccurring, and, and this cycle had been going on for a long time, hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's the heart of God. The heart of God is that people would hear the gospel, they would hear his word, they would hear his good news, they would listen to it, perceive it, consider it, and ultimately embrace it. Amen? And so what does Paul say here? He says, uh, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the, good, the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So this idea of sending people, of sending a messenger, of sending a preacher. And so God had always done this. He had always sent a preacher. There, there was always a proclaimer. There was always someone that was there proclaiming the good news of teaching others. I mean, even back in even subtle ways that you go back in the scriptures and you see it, um, that it's there. And, and here he says, and he quotes from, from uh, Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are those that bring good news. The, you know, the, the feet of those. You know, when, when it was announced to Israel that their captivity was over, you know, this was a good news. This was a good news. You know, here they had spent 70 years in, in Babylon, Right? You know, Jerusalem had been destroyed and all of it. And then there was this good news being proclaimed. The captivity is over. The message was announced to Judah that their captivity in, in, in Babylon is about to end. And this is, this is a beautiful thing. Can you imagine? We sing it at Christmas. Go tell it on the mountain, right? This idea of going up onto the mountain, you know, with your feet. <laughs> Right, those beautiful feet. You know, they're going to get up on the mountain. They're going to go up. How beautiful is the activity of those feet that are going up onto that mountain to proclaim that God is doing something. Amen. And this is incredible. It's incredible. And, uh, and those who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ are announcing the end of a captivity as well. Just as those would announce an, an end to a captivity, a Babylonian captivity, a, a certain physical captivity, that when we go to proclaim, we have that same 
role, that same job, we're proclaiming the end of it, that you can be free, that you can be set free from the captivity that is, is just keeping you bound in bondage to sin. And this is, this is the message. But some receive it. Some hear that message. They hear it. They receive it. They consider it. They perceive it. They embrace it. Some hear that message and they don't, they don't receive it. They don't welcome it. They don't welcome the message. And so that leads into our next point. So first, you need to hear it. Secondly, you need to heed the gospel. We, find, we look back and we see that, that Israel didn't heed it. Let's go back to verse 16. He says this, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For, uh, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say they have not heard. Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So Paul goes on here and he basically says that he's basically saying the message has been proclaimed, that there were those that proclaimed the end of the captivity, that there were those that proclaimed the word of the Lord. There were the prophets that proclaimed, come back to me. In fact, he literally had certain ones of the prophets, I'm thinking specifically of Hosea, that he literally had him walk out in his physical life in dramatic fashion, exactly what he was willing to do with them, which was literally go and chase down and marry a prostitute, someone who had prostituted themselves in the streets. And you say, now what, what, what? No, Israel had prostituted themselves. And here God is going to such great lengths to communicate this word. And yet they didn't receive it. Paul says they had not all obeyed the good news. That's what you do with the gospel, by the way. When you come to the gospel, you obey. It's, a, it's, it's literally obeying the gospel because the, because the gospel is a call to come. A, a, a gospel is, the gospel is a call to come and lay down your life. A gospel is a come, you know, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. Amen? So, so the gospel is something to be obeyed and heeded in that sense. And the word obeyed here literally means that. It means to listen to, to heart, hearken to, to pay heed. If you have the NAS, the NAS, which is which is considered the most literal translation, word for word, English, like, well, the, well, you know, they take the word in the Greek and they find like the actual, like most literal word in the English and then that's the word. Okay, so you read the N-A-S-B and that's that, right? N-K-J-V is not that far from that, really. N-I-V is what they call a dynamic equivalent. It, it, the word obeyed, it means of one who... On the knock at the door comes to listen who it is at the door. The duty of a porter. Uh, and so this is, this is obeying the gospel. It's, it's, it's literally hearing the knock at the door, going to the door, attending to it, opening the door, seeing who it is, and, and, and opening the door. 
It's, it's, it's opening up the door. to You know, and that's what Paul, Jesus says the same thing. You know, behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? I mean, literally, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door. What's that? If, if anybody opens the door, if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, if anyone hears the gospel and, and, and attends to it and, and, and literally opens the door, I will come in and, and be with him and dine with him and he with me, right? And uh, it's amazing when you, when you go through this and you say, well, Wow, it's just simple. It's just, right? But yet people, they don't receive it. They don't obey the gospel. And so what happens is here is Paul goes down through some examples of how, how Israel rejected the gospel. He says, uh, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But I say they have not heard. So, and then, so, so he's saying the, the, the report comes in. The word comes in, the report comes in, and he says, behold, they have not believed our report. This is Isaiah saying this about 800 years before Christ, Okay. Let's go back about seven, eight hundred years before that. And there was another time that a bunch of people didn't believe the report. Because you, you had Moses who sent 12 spies into the land, right? Two of them came back, men of faith, Caleb and Joshua. The 10, the other 10, were just shaking in their boots. We were like grasshoppers. They were giants. And of course, that was true. But they didn't have the faith. They didn't have the faith to believe the report that God was giving them the land, that God was going to cause them to be victorious. And so they didn't receive it. They didn't receive the word of the Lord from Joshua and Caleb. And of course, Joshua and Caleb did make it into the land. Amen? Caleb's like 85 years old. He's like, give me this mountain. Give me Hebron. Right? Joshua, of course, is leading the whole thing. None of the others made it. They didn't believe the report. They didn't obey the gospel. Paul goes on quoting, verse 16. Or no, I'm sorry, verse 18. He says, but I, but I say they, they have not heard And he says, yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Now, what's that a quotation of? That's actually a quotation of Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is a passage where it says, the heavens declare the, the glory of God, the handiwork of God. You know, so in other words, the heavens is, is and we see that, you know, and, and, and there's a very simple way of kind of looking at that and saying, yes, I look up at the sunset and the sky and the stars and I'm amazed at the awesome handiwork of God. But what that passage is really saying is 
that the skies are literally proclaiming a message. If you read the, the subsequent verses, it says night under night it utters speech. It's proclaiming a message. That there's a message, and this is the same passage of Scripture that Paul uses and says, men, is with, men are without excuse because the gospel has been proclaimed. And they, did, they, they have heard, they have heard, they have heard. So we, we've got we've to hear it, we've got to heed it. We've got to do, we, we, we need to do the exact opposite of what Israel did, unfortunately. We need to do the exact opposite. And then one last thing. Amen. We, we got to have it. We got to possess it. Pick it up, verse 19. Paul says, but I, but I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation, and I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So here's the question. Well, maybe they just didn't have it. They just didn't, they didn't know, he says. Maybe they didn't know. And how does Paul answer that question? Paul asks these, he's, he asks these rhetorical questions, right? So the question is rhetorical. Well, maybe, maybe they just didn't know, right? And then he proceeds to say, to answer the question. Was first, Moses says, in other words, no, they had this. God told them. Not only did God deliver the message to them, not only did God proclaim the good news and the, and the message to them, but he told them what was going to happen when they rejected it. First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. So in other words, God told Israel, Here's what's going to happen. You're going to just not hear this. You're not going to obey it. You're not going to heed it. And I'm going to bring this message to other nations. And these other people are going to receive this in such a way that you are going to be provoked to anger. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. That's in Deuteronomy. But Isaiah is very bold, Paul says. <laughs> They're all bold, right? You had to be bold to be a, a prophet in Israel. Or crazy, one of the two. <laughs> but Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. Oh, these, these people... The gospel is going to come to a people that, 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 that didn't even seek. In other words, the gospel is going to be brought to them. They didn't seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient 
and contrary people. Now, if you've been around the church for very long, you, you have heard that God had, had, has said a couple things like that in the scripture. And you like to think, maybe you, brought, maybe you think in your head that this was God's view of the people. You know, wow, I remember when I was a kid and, and you know, I, I heard in Sunday school about how the people came out and God brought them out of Egypt. You know, they were crying and calling out to God and, you know, here we are in Egypt, come get us, come save us. So God brings a deliverer, brings them out of Egypt and then they get out into the desert and what do they do? They complain. And they complain and they complain and they complain about every little thing. God takes care of them, gives them manna to eat every Oh, and then they get sick of the manna. Oh, we're sick of this manna. Give us some meat. So he gives us some meat, and they get it all rotten up in their teeth, the quail. And they just complain and complain and complain. And finally God says, wow, the stiff-necked people. <laughs> you know? And you think, well, God's view of the people is they're stiff-necked. And here he says, all day long I've stretched out my hand to a disobedient and contrary people. But God had no choice. (laughs) I mean, they just were just so contrary that God just, you're, you're just a contrary people. Why? Why? Because if you look at God in the Old Testament, people say, well, Jesus shows up on the scene and, you know, I don't know about this God of the Old Testament. Right? Have you heard the the God of the Old Testament? Jesus is great, but the God of the Old Testament, I have a problem with. Well, you haven't really read the Old Testament then. Because God is a merciful God in the Old Testament. Well, what about what he did with the Canaanites? God brought judgment upon the Canaanites through Israel. He let them, he let them stand there on that land for 400 years and do absolute corrupt and despicable things for 400 years. And then he allowed the, the, them to be spit out of the land. In that sense, he was compassionate and whatever to the rest of the people of the world. Amen? And the same people that would shake their hands at God would be the first people to say, oh, well, yeah, we needed to do do away with Hitler. Well, whoa, 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 who are you to say that you needed to do away with Hitler? God dealt with the Canaanites. I say all that to say this, God is, God is, is merciful to the generations, to the generations. And we have to understand that. And he's proclaimed this good news. But God, but, but Israel is rejected. So what can we learn from this passage tonight for us? Well, we learn through what Israel did with the good news to do the exact opposite with it. <laughs> to hear it, to heed it, and to have it. Amen. And I'll, I'll wrap this up with this last point on this point of having it. You need to, the gospel is something that you hear and you, and you heed and you obey. 
and, and it's then something that you cherish. It's a message that is something that you have, that you possess, that you are a part of in that sense. And so we need to, you need to as a Christian, we need to as people of God realize that we have the good news, that we have the good news, that we possess it. And this is something that can be a great encouragement to you. No matter what's going on in your life, you have something. You have the message of the gospel. You possess it. It's been brought to you. And if you have heard it and attended to it and responded to it and heeded it, obeyed it, if you've obeyed the gospel, then you, then you have it. And it's something that you have. And so it's good news. It's good news. And God's a good God. He's a good God. He's brought us good news. And he's done something about our terrible situation. And for, and for that, we can be forever grateful and, and holding on to him and holding on to the gospel.